GameZillaMedia.com. It's time for the last action podcast. Pop quiz, hot shot. Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need. The need for speed. Kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Last Action Podcast. I am LPJ, and joining me, one of my wonderful co hosts, <laughs> Hovercraft Joe. <laughs> What's up, LBJ? I feel like it's a new segment of the podcast where I'm always curious as to how you're going to introduce me, if I'm your co-host, your guest, or, you know, it's it's very exciting for me to kind of wonder how you're going to do it from now on. I know. It's, a, you know, we don't do the intros anymore, so I figure I'd spice it up this way. Uh, and speaking of spicing things up, um, <laughs> we have two returning guests. Uh, you know what? I would say they are a package deal. They're a tandem. They're a tag team. We it's have- true. This is... This is the third time they've been on together. Yeah, and one of them just rolled in uh, as, as backup <laughs> and watched the movie literally literally hours ago. You you pulled um, a straight up chops move. <laughs> but we have uh, Corey and Dave Corn joining us. Corn dog, sorry. Corn dog, Joe. Now everybody knows the real name. We better stop and I'll edit that. I'll edit that part out. That way, no one will no, know who you not. are, Batman. I will speak. I will speak for Dave on this. I, I think it's fair to say, you know, it's a real treat to be back. Wow, that's, <laughs> no, that's no good. Well, we had like, um, but yeah, Dave. I feel like is always our standby. Like, there was another movie we did where we did where like I think we were supposed to have a guest, and we were like, oh, we should have called Dave. And it was when we did Highlander. Yeah, and he was like, yeah. He's like, yeah, I would have been, I would have been good to go. So yeah, I wouldn't even <laughs> had to watch that movie. Like, I can speak. Yeah, I've I've seen it. Hundreds of times. <laughs> this movie, so, however, we have not seen hundreds of times. <laughs> Probably for um, good reason. Yes. Uh, we're here to talk about uh, 1998's Deep Rising. Um, and many of you are probably like, what's Deep Rising? Well, we'll get into it. So um, what's everyone's history with this movie? Um, Corndog, let's start with you because you're kind of responsible for this. I mean, we'll say 49%. I think <laughs> first uh, first study, Dave, was probably more to do with this. Um, you know, this is a movie, you said 98, so I would have been, you know, what, 10 years old. This is a movie I probably watched on, on HBO or something at around the age of 11. And, and it was, oh, it's a monster movie. It's cool. So the rewatch, you know, we'll get into that. But uh, <laughs> what What about you, Dave? Um, I mean, I vaguely remember watching this, like, when it was first came out on VHS tape. Um, I think one big thing we should clear up is that this is not Deep Impact. This is Deep Rising. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, and then, like, you guys were talking about it. Like, I had these, like, vague, okay, yeah, I, I know that Treat Williams is in it, but that was about all I remembered. And then I watched it this afternoon. So, well, really, actually, just this evening. So, yeah, <laughs> fun. What, what about you, LBJ? Any experience with this? Well, what's weird about this movie is I know exactly what, like, I, when you describe, I knew exactly what the movie was. I remembered parts of the movie. I was fairly certain I had seen it. Um, mm-hmm. Now that I've watched it, I don't know that I've actually seen this movie, <laughs> which is weird because I knew a lot of the stuff in it, but I couldn't really place when I would have seen it. And, and I was thinking about it. 
there was a time when I would just go to the video store and rent schlocky B dumb sci-fi monstery movies. So like this virus, uh, <laughs> the command and, or not the command and conquer the, uh, the the one with Freddie Prince Jr. and uh, Wing Commander. Oh, Wing Commander. Wing, Wing Commander. <laughs> oh, God. Right. So I just read just straight dirt shit movies like that and watch them just because I'm a glutton for punishment. And I swear to you, this might have been one that I would have watched like around Lake Placid time. I don't know. I'm not really <laughs> sure. But for whatever reason, I, I don't know that I've actually seen this movie until now. Well, I mean, I feel like you're just covering up. You would rent those shocky movies to, to kind of make it seem more normal of all the weird Japanese porn you were getting. And then this is kind of a combination of the two. No, see, because the stores didn't really have a whole lot of that at the time. Oh, okay. No, um, the beaded curtain. No. So, I I mean, like, and I, I, I'm kind of the same way. Like, I remember, I never, I definitely had never seen this movie before. I remember it was a thing. I think when... Corndog first mentioned it to me. I think I was thinking of that movie, like, Ghost Ship with Julianne Margulies. Like, I think I kind of thought that's what this was. But then, like, <laughs> then, like when we were deciding on it, Corndog was like, we'll pull up the trailer and watch the trailer. And I watched the trailer, and I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember the jet ski on the poster and stuff. So, um, but, yeah, this was definitely my first time kind of sitting down and watching this movie. And probably my last, but anyways, we'll, we'll get into it a little more. But you know, when I think of that, and LPJ, you, you touched on virus. This is that. This was a weird time for B-list action or horror movies because a lot of it centered around people dying on cruise ships or just deserted ships in general. Yeah, it was really. You're right. It, there was just a weird string of movies where they were semi-disaster monster movies. You know, like this and Virus and Ghost Ship. <laughs> And um, what was another one? There's another really shitty one that I can't think of off the top of my head. Um, Boat Trip with Cuba Gooding Jr.? Yes, (laughs) Yes, that was it. Um, But yeah, there was just all sorts of just weird films of this genre that came out all within like 97 to like 2000. And then they they were done. There was nothing else. (laughs) And sometimes they're on spaceships, but it's still the same basic concept. Yeah, like like, um, Event Horizon came out. Yeah, Event Horizon. Was that one with James Spader that was so bad that uh, they renamed it? Like, and Walter Hill took his name off of it. (laughs) Supernova. It was called Supernova. Oh, Supernova. Yeah. Yeah. I do actually remember that one. I never saw it, but I remember that that was that came out. Well, and and basically all of these are like let's take the format of the original Alien movie to a certain extent and kind of like change the. Yeah, this one, but a lot of those ones where it's like, oh, uh, we're stuck on something and there's a monster hunting us, you know, like, I think that's definitely, but yeah, for this, 100%. Um, so let's let's get into a little bit of the numbers on this real quick. Uh, the release date was January 30th, 1998. And does anyone know what the interesting fact about the release date on this is? They I mean, it was like a month yeah, but it was like right near Titanic. Yeah, it was, it was a month after a month after Titanic came out. So the juggernaut that was Titanic came out about boats, <laughs> and then a month later, this movie comes out. So bad timing, definitely. Um, so the budget on this movie is forty five million dollars, and its total box office gross is eleven million dollars. Yeah. So. <laughs> A gigantic, colossal and, failure. And I love this story about the budget of this film. I'm sure you guys read about it. Like, originally it was going to be a Harrison Ford movie, 
And so yep. it had a much larger budget. And he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not making this movie. And they <laughs> immediately slashed the budget and hired Treat Williams. And, and they didn't take the lines that were clearly meant to be said by Harrison Ford out of the script. Like, I've got a bad <laughs> feeling about this. Yeah. You know, oh, I, didn't, I didn't even think about that. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Well, we'll, we'll get into Islands later, but my thought was Harrison Ford definitely was filming Six Days and Seven Nights instead of this. <laughs> Um, so, uh, the Rotten Tomatoes on this, uh, it, I guess it wouldn't be a movie brought to us by, uh, Dave and Corey if it didn't have a low Rotten Tomatoes. So it's 28%, um, with an audience score of 43%. Um, oh, sorry. You know what? One other thing I wanted to mention about the numbers, I usually don't get into this specific, but I thought this was interesting. The opening weekend, so opening weekend, this movie made... Like basically five thousand dollars, or no, five million dollars. So uh, it made forty-two percent of its total gross on its first weekend, and it still came in number eight in the box office on its opening weekend. So um, I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, okay, so top grossing movies of nineteen ninety-eight. You have Saving Private Ryan at number one, uh, a movie which I'm very surprised we have not covered at number two, Armageddon. Um, and number three, there's something about Mary. This movie, Deep Rising, came in 120th of the year. Um, and the only other movies that we have covered uh, from 1998 are number seven, Rush Hour, and number 29, Blade. So, so why didn't uh, why isn't Titanic on that list? Because it was it came out December 19th, so it's kind of a little bit of both and kind of both years. Uh, it came out in '97. Uh, and I always do like yeah. when it, when you look it up, I always yeah filter it by in year release. So that's why Titanic's not on here. But that brings up a point. Do you think that this movie's gross was just completely brought about by like that five million is only people are like, well, I came to see the Titanic, it sold out, but I'm committed to a boat. <laughs> damn it! Well, so honestly, you know what it probably was? It was one of those things where it was the guys who refused to go see Titanic. They needed something else to watch, so they went and saw this. Makes Could sense. Um, so you want to talk about the cast? I feel like this cast Ooh. is ripe for you, LBJ. Like, there are so many people I feel like you're in love with in this cast. Like, it's like a character actor's dream, I feel like. Uh, yeah, it totally is. Uh, <laughs> it absolutely is because you have, well, first of all, we'll start with Treat Williams, who is absolutely a poor man's Harrison Ford. Like, a very <laughs> poor man's Harrison Ford. Although I will say this, he's not bad in this movie. Like he's really? actually pretty decent. I, I found him plenty, plenty entertaining. Uh, you got Famke Jansen, who um, and I'm going to roll my role reversal in here because it's really the only one I have. She initially did not have the part. It was Claire Forlani who was cast in it, and then three days into shooting, uh, she's like, "No, this I'm not doing this anymore," and she quit. <laughs> and so they replaced her with Famke Jansen, who almost didn't get the part. Because they thought she was too recognizable from Goldeneye, which and what, what year was Goldeneye? Like ninety five, ninety five. Okay. Right. Um, so I, you know, I wouldn't think that this would be, you know, I, I'm, it seems like a different. I'm, I don't know. On the Famke, uh, Famke, Famke Jansen note, uh, I know Dave and I talked a little bit. She looks very good in this movie. She looks great. Agreed. Real good. Yeah. And like, real good. Claire Forlani would have been terrible in this role. Like, yeah. she's just been, you know, all kind of like, you know, wayfish and like, oh, oh no, there, there's a, there's a tentacle. It also depends <laughs> on if she's using her terrible American accent or her actual British <laughs> accent. Yeah. 
her, her also somehow terrible actual British accent. There is that. Too. It is like a really weird. Yeah. I, I, I think she didn't want to go back near the water after she got proposed to on the Jaws ride. So <laughs> good, good pull, good pull, good pull. Classic. Uh, you got Kevin J. O'Connor, who is the director. So Stephen, we didn't even talk about the director. So Stephen Summers directed this and yes. wrote it. Uh, who made the mummy? And you can really, and the mummy returns. You can really see why they picked him for those movies based on this one. I will say that. Um, yeah, but you know what? Here's a here's a point that Dave brought up a little earlier. Like this movie bombed so hard. Yeah. Like, why did they trust the mummy to him? Like, you know, didn't it seem weird that he had this colossal bomb, and then his next movie is the mummy? But I guess maybe I guess maybe it's because we remember the mummy now as being a huge hit, but maybe they didn't. Like when it was coming out, they're like, "Well, this is going to be a movie." They didn't know it was going to be the big, huge franchise, you know? Yeah, but but honestly, if you look at this movie and the Mummy, they have a very, very similar tone and aesthetic to them. Um, and I think the stuff that works in the Mummy also works in this film. I think the difference is the Mummy was more palatable to a wider audience than this one was, and the the storyline of this film is not. It's just weird. It's a very strange plot in this one. Whereas the mummy is, while it is strange, it's a little more straightforward and it has a little something for everybody. Um, and the wheels are probably already in motion for the mummy because this is 98, probably. mummy's 99. So it's probably like, well, you know, no, this is already happening. Yeah. Uh, but you had the, the, the uh, Stephen Summer. Um, so you had uh, uh, Kevin J. O'Connor in this who uh, is in The Mummy. He's the, like, the kind of scummy guy. Yeah, he's Benny. He's Benny, yeah, in The Mummy. <laughs> oh, God, oh. He's actually in, like, all of Kevin, all of uh, Stephen Summers' films. He's like, Yeah, he's know. Igor in, uh, Igor in uh, Van Helsing. Yep, he's been in a ton of them. Um, now, here's where it gets fun. Okay, <laughs> so you got Wes Studi, who is kind of the head of the bad guys, who, of course, is Sagat, in the uh, Street Fighter movie. He's Magua in Last of the Mohicans. He's Magua in Last of the Mohicans, right. All right, fair enough. Uh, you've got um, Trevor Goddard, who is Kano in the Mortal Kombat movie. Uh, and then, you know, your other standouts, Cliff Curtis, who uh, has been in a ton of different things. He's in Live Free or Die Hard. He's in uh, The Walking Dead. He's been in all kinds the of Mag. The Mag. He's in, uh, he's Mag. He's in Training Day. He's the uh, head of the Mexican gang in Training Day. Yep. And then uh, Juman Hanzu is in this as well. <laughs> and, you know, it's Juman Hanzu, famed uh, actor of, um, what was the motorcycle movie? Biker <laughs> voice. Well, that's what I put in this. Uh, I wrote for this. I'm like, Jeremy Hunt just loves to work because he'll be in like these prestige <laughs> movies, like you know, Gladiator and Amistad and In America. Then he'll be in this and Biker Boys and <laughs> Never Back Down. It's like that dude just loves working. I guess you know. Okay. Um, and then the other thing I want to say about Stephen Summer is apparently he is well loved by actors. Um, I don't know what it is, but I guess. All the actors want to work with him, and they have fun doing it. So, it's almost um, Don't forget, uh, also in this movie is token Englishman for every movie, Jason Fleming. It does. You're right. 
Well, also, D- Dave was really excited to find out that the guy that plays the captain of the boat is like the number, like the big, the number two, like South African and Lethal Weapon Two. Yes. Yeah. The guy that we're he, like, this guy's stunt double is way more graceful than this did, guy should be. Did, did you on Anthony Held yet, too, as the ship's oh, owner? <laughs> I, I do want to say one other thing about that guy from uh, Lethal Weapon 2. He also played the priest in the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie. So. Yep. Oh, yeah. But yeah, Anthony Anthony Held is, I can't remember, Canton or whatever his name is, the guy who made the movie. Yeah, Simon Canton. Owner. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's uh, I, let's run through these networks real quick. So let's I'll throw them out there. You guys just give me a guess real quick, okay? Uh, West Studi. I'd give him like you know he he works consistently, and I'd say probably in the low millions, like two or three million. That's right about where I was at. I was going to say two to three. Oh, so you're just going to share an answer? Come on, be definitive. Sure. Pick All something. Right. <laughs> All right, you know what? I'll, I'll play the under, and I'll say one to two. Four okay. million. Uh, one million dollars for West Studi. Uh, Cliff Curtis. Oh, he's at that sweet uh, Walking Dead money. Uh, <laughs> so, I'm sorry, it's, it's Fear the Walking Dead money. I was so. going to say it wasn't Fear the Walking, it's fear Dead, the Walking so Dead, so it's not as it's not as sweet. No, I'll say two million. Okay. You know he was in Hobbs and Shaw just recently. He does, he's a, he's in everything. I'm just go high and go ten million. I'm going to play the middle here and say six million. $3 million for Cliff Curtis. Uh, Kevin J. O'Connor. <laughs> Benny himself. Or Joey in this movie. One, one million. Two, two million. 500000 One million dollars. Ready to go, LPJ. Uh, Anthony Held. Well, he just sunk that boat, so that's going to cost him. He's got that sweet, sweet Boston public money. Ooh. He's, uh, he's watching over Hannibal Lecter, I think, in, um, in his prison cell. I'll go with $3 million. $4 million. I feel like he plays. he's played the dean in every college movie I've ever seen, so I'm going to go uh, $5 million. $2 million. Uh, Jamon Hansu. Uh, $20 million. Okay. Yeah, he, I bet you he's making pretty – I'll say 15 Okay. Or not? 25. I think he works a lot. Uh, 12 million for ah. uh, Jamon Hansu. All right, two left. Pomka Jansen. Ooh, she got that sweet, sweet X Men movie. Uh, <laughs> X Men money. 90 million. No, that's too high. <laughs> four, four, that's way too high. 40 million. I'm going to stick with 25 again. She got the taken money, too. She's got that Hemlock Grove money. I'm going to go 30 million. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> uh, t- t- $20 million. I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> and, then, and then finally, uh, finally, uh, Treat Williams. Treat Williams with the sweet, sweet substitute two through four money. Wow. I was going to say uh, that sweet, sweet uh, Everwood money. <laughs> well, it's, sweet. Say it's, it's a small role, but he's got that sweet, sweet playing uh, Ashton Kutcher's dad and what happens in Vegas. <laughs> God. Um, well, what does everyone think of Tree Williams? Okay. Six. David, you're ten. Ten. Ten million dollars for Tree Williams. So right on the nose there. So, Good for him. Um, yeah, and uh, we, we obviously mentioned written and directed by Stephen Summers, so this is really his uh, his full vision. And the music is by Jerry Goldsmith. Um, obviously, he's a big name, like 256 credits, but I don't, there was nothing remarkable about it, so we're not going to play anything. Yep. 
Nothing crazy. Um, uh, Sphinx isn't here, obviously, but I did look up some taglines, and let me tell you, I'm kind of a fan of the taglines for this movie, okay? So, first one. This ain't no pleasure cruise. Okay? Right, not bad. Right? Second one. I like this one. Women and children first. You're next. That's actually pretty solid. <laughs> and then this is the one that almost that pretty much sold me on doing the movie when they proposed it. Full scream ahead. <laughs> and then the last one, I don't really like it. I don't think it actually makes sense because it says they seize the world's richest ship. But no one's on board. I'm like, did they seize it or did they just get on it? So I mean, but so, but some of those are pretty good based on some of the terrible. Uh, oh yeah, considering we, some of the better movies we've seen that had terrible taglines, and this being one of the not as good movies we've seen, having great tagline, not good taglines. Not bad. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, does anyone have anything else they want to mention or, or get into, or should we just start talking about the plot of this thing? Well, yeah, I mean, there's really not a whole lot else to talk about. I mean, the guy that did um, the thing and uh, RoboCop was the was part of the guys uh, from ILM did the special effects for this. Um, and I don't know, what did you guys think about the special effects for, they for were, being '98? Uh, I thought they were. Oh, really? I thought they were pretty bad for for any time. <laughs> I don't know. Me? I mean, I, I wasn't like shocked. Like, of course, I watched it on a computer screen, so maybe it wasn't as jarring. But for '98, I, I mean, if you look at some of the other uh, CGI's uh, things from '98, they look way worse than this. For for me, I think it, it like when you you know you don't see the full you know monster creature for a while. I think they start off fine, and then I think it progressively gets worse and worse as you see more and more. I, you know what? I'll agree with that because I did not think they were bad until kind of the reveal of the full creature. That's when I was like, and it's like grab Treat Williams and it's tentacle, and I'm like, okay, this is bad. But then, like, remember, like the the uh, CGI, like the end of like uh, Blade and stuff, isn't great. So I mean, and that was '98. So I guess it makes sense. It, it just kind of like, yeah, I, I think that's the best way to put it. Is that it starts off fine, but then by the end, it's kind of laughable how bad the the full revealed creature looks. Yeah, yeah that's and- fair. And, you know, and this movie, because of its lower budget, suffered the same thing that a lot of films did in this era. And it was they you couldn't the CG was very separate from the film. Like you could tell very easily what was CG and what wasn't, whereas higher budget films didn't really have that as bad. You, you'd still tell, but it wasn't as bad. Um, and obviously now you can't tell it really at all, um, but it just. Right. These style films just they still had that separation. Yeah, and it's kind of inter- it's kind of a you know it's interesting to be like what where did all this budget go cuz like a, a core dog pointed out to me it's like most of the sets in this movie are just like hallways with pipes. Like it's not like it's like where did all the money go? There's not really like the, they have that one really fantastic set that they use for like the party and then everything else is like hallways. Yeah. It's like a, the boiler room from Nightmare on Elm Street, but with like <laughs> water the rest of the movie. Well, <laughs> actually, I read part read about part of it. So initially, they were going to film this in L.A. and use one of their uh, giant tanks that they had at one of the film studios there. But it was going to cost them $200,000 to do it. So they went to Canada to build a uh, tank. And I guess they built the tank incorrectly. 
and it ruptured and caused $600,000 worth of damage to the surrounding area. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, that, that would explain some of it. So, um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I guess looking through the lens, like you're saying, of it being 1998, I can forgive it a little bit, but I, I just, that creature reveal was awful. It's not great. No, it's real bad. Yeah. So, okay. So this movie, I, I will say it starts off and it ends with two things that made me furious. This movie starts off with like a text crawl, right? And I'm like, okay, you're not Star Wars. Don't start off with a text crawl. And I don't even remember what the text crawl was. It's like Doesn't matter. Something, something about like parts of the sea and creatures underwater. I don't even know what it was. Like, it's like the ocean's deep. Thanks, guys. Yeah, you like know? The deeper you go, <laughs> yeah. the bigger the monsters get. That's essentially what it was. <laughs> so we're... We're introduced to Treat Williams right off the bat. He's got his boat, and I think they're trying to make his boat look cool, but he's got, like, a weird captain's chair, and he's, like, controlling, like, the boat. Like, it looks like a joystick, you know? Like, yeah, like game, yeah. He's got like, Atari or and he's playing solitaire. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, I don't it, know what. It looks like It looks like they he stole the boat from uh, the Street Fighter movie and let it kind of sit like in a pier by itself for a while. So it rotted a bit and then like added some wood to it. That's essentially what it is. <laughs> so, uh, and we're kind of introduced to like the people on his boat, you know, his crew, which is the, uh, we didn't mention the, uh, the Asian lady who plays the tour guide doctor in the original Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Uh <laughs> And uh, Kevin J. O'Connor playing Joey um, and like the group of mercenaries that they're uh, they're transporting, which essentially we said is every character actor you've ever heard of. Uh, Then we cut over to the cruise ship, which is called the Argonautica. (laughs) Uh, And it's the maiden voyage of the uh, Argonautica. And like we get that speech from uh, Anthony Held about how this is like, oh, this huge big cruise ship and all this stuff. And like, Bomka Jansen's there, and she's, like, immediately just, like, stealing everything. I have that in my notes here. When we are intro to Bomka Jansen, she's just immediately stealing everything. Like, what is she doing? It's, here, I'm taking chips off the casino table. She's swiping the captain's wallet. And, like, what is her motives there? They, like, it's, like. They never establish any of that. I mean, they also, know, they, the they theme... Establish, they establish she's, she's a thief. Yeah. The theme of the after party the is... Oh, after the yeah. fact, yeah. The theme of the party is just Asian. They're not quite sure if it's Chinese. Oh, yeah. Because like, there's Chinese stuff, there's Japanese stuff, there's Hawaiian <laughs> dancing for some reason, which is Polynesian. But it's like, yeah, the theme... Yeah, it's Asian. You know, whatever, you know. Oh, and also there's um, two bartenders that make out for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, too. Um, so, like, back on uh, Treat Williams' boat, um, we find out that the mercenaries, that they have some, like, heavy artillery. They have these, like, torpedoes on the boat, and they don't know why. Um, I, like I need when to they talk come... about their machine guns. Okay. Well, did, we'll did, you guys ca- did you guys catch that? That they're thousand rounds magazines? Yeah, have- <laughs> oh, that, that is, is insanity. Cool. If you can hold out like 500 rounds, it is so heavy. The the machine guns that have like the infinite ammo golden eye cheat in them. Yeah. I I think Corndog was so mad at me because we we had a brief conversation about the movie and I was like, those guns aren't real, are they? And he's like, no, they're not real. 
I'm like, well, okay, I'm sorry. Well, I mean, they are kind of cool, though, but they're not real. They're cool looking, but they, like those, well, uh, well, a gun that size could maybe hold like 50 rounds max. Yeah. You know, there's guns that are like that, but they're mounted to vehicles. Yeah, <laughs> and they have they have drums that like feed them ammunition. <laughs> you know. Um, I like when they catch, uh, uh, Joey, like, spying on him, and they all just beat the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah. Until, like, Treat Williams reluctantly stops him from beating him up with his trusty spear gun that he carries around. Um, so, like, the beginning of this movie, we're kind of cutting back and forth between them and the cruise ship. Uh, Famke gets caught trying to break into the, uh, 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 Safe vault, vault, the safe vault, vault uh, or whatever. And I was really confused because they're like, "Hey, does this place have a brig?" And they're like, "Yeah." And then they put her in like a walk-in freezer. So I was, I was kind of confused. So I'm like, "Oh, it doesn't happen." Well, no, they said, I, it, I wasn't, they said it wasn't completed yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I know why they put her in that specifically. They wanted to, <laughs> you know, get 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 the nips going. I'm not saying it's appropriate, but I think I think that was the wow. that was their. Get her cold. And we're not there yet, uh, Joe, but that that's another thing, a uh, movie I've actually covered on this pod, but they, they do the classic action movie when she gets out of the kitchen brig, where she just opens a control panel and, like, sticks a key in it. And, like, <laughs> and it opens. Yeah. And, then, you know, you're right. I can never figure that out. If it's something you want to keep locked up, why would you put the control panel on the inside? <laughs> right? If something goes wrong. What's that? People bringing all their valuables on a boat. Well, it's a casino. <laughs> so the casino yeah. wants oh, some yeah. place to lock things up on a casino. So, so it's at this point that we see an unknown person sabotage a ship. And since this is the late 90s, the only way to sabotage a ship is to swap out some CD-ROM tits that apparently, apparently run the whole boat. Because he literally, right. they, we see him like three discs get ejected and they put in three different discs yeah, and right. it shuts down right. the entire ship. We, we put a 20 meg CD into the boat and it destroyed <laughs> everything. Um, so once the cruise ship gets... Uh, you know, sabotage. That's when like the the attack starts, and we don't know what it is at the time. You know, people are getting thrown around. We see a lady get sucked into a toilet. Like people, people are just getting like trampled. Like it's just like crazy. Like you don't you don't really see anything that's going on. It's just uh, it's just bad. So then the Treat Williams boat just crashes into the light boat that fell off. <laughs> it crashes into this light boat that fell off the cruise ship, and it just like explodes and it messes up their ship so bad. I'm like, why was that explosion so big when they hit that lifeboat? Yeah, I don't, I don't know how much, I, I know how much gas that uh, that lifeboat was carrying, but uh, apparently it had enough to refuel, refuel the, the uh, cruise ship a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they're all messed up and they're leaking fuel, so they're like, alright, we're going to board the cruise ship and we're going to find the parts we need to fix our boat somehow. I don't know how that translates like how the cruise ship's gonna have the parts they need. Um, so, and this is where I got confused. And it, it, like, you know, sometimes you work your confusion out of your nose. Because I was like, I was like, were they planning on boarding the ship all along? Because they don't really make it clear where they're taking them. And then I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, so that was their plan all along. They wanted to take them to the cruise ship. But I, I felt like I was kind of confused about that at yeah, first. Like, so it makes sense to me now. That is like when we first get intro to Wes Studi, when he leans in, like, hey, how are we doing? He's like, we're halfway to uh, wherever we're going. They were always boarding that cruise ship. They just, his whole motto was the, 
uh, you got cash, we don't ask. Like, he didn't ask <laughs> what they were doing, whatever the hell their stupid motto was, but it was, he didn't ask. They were always boarding that cruise ship. They were just, right. that's when they take charge now. Like, we're a command. Okay. And this and this is like, I'll bring this up now. I One of my problems kind of with this movie is that we're like, this movie's like an hour and 45 minutes. This is like 45 minutes into the movie, maybe 50 by the time they're actually getting on this boat. Like, I feel like there's a lot of preamble. We kind of breeze through it, but it takes some Longer than you would think for them to get on this boat, in my opinion. Was it that long? I didn't it's feel been, like it was that long. I didn't think so. I thought it might have only been like 20 minutes half to a half hour, an hour. Mm, I think it's 40, but I could be wrong. I felt Maybe it just felt longer to me. It felt like it took them a long time to get it on felt, the boat. It absolutely felt like a long time to get there, but, but I don't they think definitely it was tried to give, They tried to give a lot of backstories to a lot of people. You kind of bummed me out to see uh, Benny making out with that lady. You know, it's like, oh, no, thank you. <laughs> well, like, and, and the thing where like, Every mercenary is some different. It's from a different country and just equally an asshole or something. You, like, <laughs> you have the horn dog, and you have yeah. you know, which is fair. They do give backstory in the first thirty minutes to everybody, but treat Williams. But somehow he's got like this <laughs> yeah. reputation. And 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 LPJ, you talked about that. I think this is just like his backstory was essentially he's Han Solo of the South China Sea. He's a smuggler, <laughs> yeah. And they're just like he's a he's a reputable smuggler, and that that's it. Yeah, I think yeah. you're absolutely right. I think it was one of those things where they wrote Harrison Ford into the script to be <laughs> Harrison Ford from all of his other movies. And I, I can't not regarding Henry. Maybe not regarding Henry. I can't believe it took took till you pointed out to me that that the I have a bad feeling about this line. It's like, oh my gosh, that was definitely written. They're like wink, wink. Harrison Ford said well, it again. That's so, not the line he utters the most in that movie. Well, did you see? That's the dumb thing, too, where they said in the original script, his catchphrase was, what now? But in the film, they changed it to, now what? And I say, why? What's the difference between the two? Um, Okay, so they're on the boat. They they can't find anyone. The boat's empty. There's no one to be found. Um, This is where I had just kind of a couple different notes about characters getting killed. I have a note that says, see a lady on Trey Williams' boat. Because she's on the boat and there's a hole and she gets like pulled off of it. Then I have a note that says, uh, see an Australian guy whose name was T-Ray, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, they they get to the safe because their whole thing is like they want to get into the safe. They want to steal the money. That's part of their plot. Um, I love they open the safe and Jamal Hatsu immediately gets an axe in the the forehead. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like I was not expecting that, and then I like the fact that they just unload into the safe, and they, there's like three or four innocent passengers in there. Yeah. And they just unload down. They, they kill everybody but the guy who acted Jamal Hans. <laughs> yeah, because it was uh, Anthony Hell that killed him, right? Yeah, yeah. Was this when did when did Gladiator come out? Was that two thousand? It was. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, two thousand. Okay. But, either, but John Hunter had made Amistad, so he was arguably like the most famous of the mercenaries. Maybe West Studio was a little more famous, but yeah. So this was kind of a, it was a kind of a swerve, where it's like, whoa, they killed the one he didn't think they'd kill. You right. know, I didn't think they were going to kill him, but that's also you know after seeing Jamal Hansu in a million different things after this. Yeah, yeah, you're like they're like they can't kill the guy from Shazam. Never seen. He's him. In, oh, he's in Shazam. Uh, anyways. <laughs> 
So after he dies, uh, the next person to get killed off is Cliff Curtis. And again, at this point, we still don't really know exactly what's going on. They haven't really given us a good shot. You know, people are just getting killed. Um, all of the principal characters meet up in an elevator. So we got the mercenaries. We got Anthony Held, the captain, Fomka Jansen, uh, Joey, and uh, Tree Williams. And at one point, they're, uh, this boat is huge, right? So they're up pretty high. The elevator falls. It falls a lot of stories. Yeah. Trash no, car. Car. Elevator falls for so long. <laughs> and then I everybody's, mean, everybody's fine when it hits the ground. Well, I like, have a lot of questions about this. Number one, how is the monster controlling the elevator? <laughs> That's number one. My number one question. I don't understand that. Number two question. How did they survive? Now, my number three yeah. question is, if you look at that scene, they can't go forward. They turn around and go back toward the elevator <laughs> and manage to go through it somehow to get into <laughs> another hallway. Uh, I don't understand anyway, because all the power is dead in the boat. Why the hell do the elevators work in the first place? I don't know. Um, elevators sometimes have backup generators. Here I am defending oh, this okay. movie. No, okay. Okay. Cruise ship engineer Dave. Oh, I didn't I'm sorry. You were for Otis, Dave. I'm not a cruise ship expert, but they fell for far too long. Uh, like, I think maybe a, like a huge too. cruise ship. Yeah, a huge cruise ship could be like maybe <laughs> like 15 stories tall. That thing just fell forever. You know, like that was crazy. Um, I do like the next part because they go into that hallway where it's just full of all like the bones and like That's like crazy, like piles of flesh and stuff like that. You know, like this movie does a lot of things wrong, but that that, that was, was kind cool. of a good shot. That, yeah, that was a cool. cool scene. But I, I question because the door shut, so it's like did that monster like deposit all that and then lock the door behind <laughs> oh, it? Yes. I will say this: all of the practical visual effects in this were really good. Like yeah. the um, like the effect of the tentacle. You don't even see the tentacle, but it, like sprinting through the water and like the like the, the the wave that it makes and the uh deck plates that keep popping up as it runs underneath mm-hmm. all that stuff was really cool it, it, like the visual effects were very solid in this except for the cgi yeah. special effects that was that's something else so but yeah i really like i thought that that hallway it looked really cool looked really creepy um we kind of get the Eventually, we get to like the the meat, not the meat of the story, but kind of the the crux is that Canton Anthony held. He hired uh, West Duty and his mercenaries. They wanted they were going to rob it, and then they were going to sink the ship, and he was going to do the insurance money because basically he he found out that there was no way that the ship was ever going to make money because it costs so much to operate that like it was always just going to be like the only way he's going to make money off it was to sink it and get the insurance, and that's why they brought the torpedoes because after they robbed it they were going to like sink the boat with the torpedoes. Mm-hmm. So. Which is crazy because if you're an insurance, you know, investigator in that thing, you're going to notice, <laughs> you're going to notice torpedo holes. <laughs> you, you can't blame that on a natural disaster when yeah, the hull is blown well, out from underneath. What were they going to send a insurance investigator, like dive into the bottom of the China sea? To, like, For the amount of money that that boat costs, they probably would. Yeah, but then get eaten by tentacles, so, yeah. Even prior to that, these investors, like, this is a side note, but just poor business plan. Who's investing in this ship? Yeah, we went on our first cruise, and yes, we're never going to make money. Which also brings (laughs) the point, he said that his entire life, it was his dream to have this ship, so was he just some, like, weird fucking little kid? Like, one of these days, I'm going to have a ship that's going to be Chinese-themed. 
Well, you think you think if it was your life's dream, you would have crushed the numbers a little better and found out that it wasn't going to be profitable before yeah, you, you built the thing. You've probably been working on it for a while and sort of known. So uh, then we get another kind of really cool, gross thing, and it's when the creature like spits out like one of the mercenaries who's like half yeah. digested from like yeah. inside, and it's like half his like body's gone, and you see like the yeah. bones. That was that was really cool and kind of creepy. And that's one of the things that I picked up on. Like you can see little flashes of what the mummy would eventually be. Like in yeah. this, in the different special effects that they use in this film, you can kind of see like Stephen Summers little ideas and touches all over this that eventually made its way into things like the mummy and the mummy returns. That's fair. I mean, yeah, I guess I could see this as like, it's kind of like an audition to be like, maybe this movie wasn't successful, but it shows that you can juggle kind of all this stuff that you need to make a movie like the mummy. And you can, whether or not the movie was successful, he was able to do it fairly well in the movie. I have no issues at all with the directing of this film. And that's, you know, that is a really cool scene because it is the first time we see at least a piece of the creature and like, oh, holy, holy shit, here it is. But like, Joe, I know you and I talked a little bit about this, but like this movie is pretty gory too, like for like an action movie. Yeah, well, it is. I mean, it is rated R, which I didn't I didn't realize until I started watching it. I figured it was, you know, just based on the concept of it's PG-13, but it is an R and it is mainly an R for the gore and kind of the, the visceral stuff in it. Because, I mean, there's some swearing, but it's not like it's like, sex or nudity or anything like that. It's mainly the gore in, in this movie because it is, some of the parts of it are shockingly gory, I would yeah. say. Remember, there's a porn wall just to show what a pervert Cliff Curtis is again. He's like, oh, that's true. hello, <laughs> pictures of naked ladies. I forgot about that. Um, so, and I, I, I asked uh, Dog this question a bunch of times and he didn't have a good answer because, I, and I have it in my notes here, I'm like, what we find out at the end, whatever, spoiler alert, is that, like, they think it's a bunch of different creatures, but it's actually just all these tentacles of a big, like, octopus-like thing. How are these tentacles seeing what's going on? They're, like, hunting these people down like they have eyes and they can see what's going on. Well, I think it's a vibration each, thing. Each I think tentacle, it's a vibration. Well, it's not only that. Each tentacle has its own, like, mouth at the end of it. <laughs> yeah. And could roar. And they could roar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, maybe, well, it, maybe it had eyes. Just really tiny. Well, I agree with Dave. Too, they highlight in that one scene, right where you know, right after we see that mercenary get puked up, like when they encounter it in the hallway, and um, Treat Williams drags his gun. It picks up on like the not the noise necessarily, but I think it's the vibrations. Like I think Dave's onto something there. I mean, listen, uh, that's fine. We can we can no prize it and say that's it. But I feel like that they have like being able to sense vibrations and the way that they react to stuff around them are like two different things. They're like acting like they have like they're seeing everything so but you know whatever um the captain gets killed uh the guy from lethal weapon um this is where i do have a note that says how many bullets do these guns have but apparently a thousand bullets a piece apparently how heavy like how heavy do you think that would be dave it's very heavy because okay so i once picked up like a 500 round case of bullets right and it's like one of those things where it doesn't look that big but you just feel embarrassed that it's that heavy to you it's like I'm not a super strong guy, but it's like this is so that those guns, if they have thousand rounds in them, will be about two hundred pounds each by my best <laughs> estimate. Probably. So there's a scene where West Studio like kicks it up in the air to the guy. <laughs> it's like no, like it's just they'd be so condensed, like, it would be so huge because 
even if, if you're talking like nine millimeter, that's so many bullets. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's just it's insanity. There's no way it's just it doesn't it could not be a handheld weapon. I feel like it was just a way for them to be like, well, this explains how they never run out of bullets in this in this movie when they're on the boat. But well, you know, and um, for the rate that thing that thing that that thing fires at bullets, they would clearly run out very quickly, even with a thousand. <laughs> oh yeah, it has <laughs> rotating <laughs> barrels. Yeah, who, who is it? Come on, Hansu. I think Cliff Curtis wastes a couple hundred when they're shooting around in the casino. Just oh, yeah, they, yeah, they, they waste so many bullets in, in that casino scene. It's like a less fun version of the scene in Predator where they're all shooting into the jungle. Um, so then we get this, and, and whatever. Like, I don't know if there's a good explanation, but for some reason, Canton seems to know like what this creature is because he starts talking about it. It's like, well. When they're this size, they do this, and all. I'm like, how does he know this is a real thing? I don't know. Basically, what it gets you is they say that these things drink you alive, like they suck everything out of you and like spit out the bones and stuff, and that's why you see all this. Right? Am I? What? What am I missing? I was very confused well, by this explanation. Yeah, he claimed they. Yeah, they just suck the fluids out of you and leave the skeletal remains. But it's again, it's another touch towards Stephen Summers and the Mummy because that's what the Mummy does. Oh, yeah, it sucks you dry. Under- Sucks to dry. Uh, <laughs> so they have to like swim underwater for a certain point to get like because they need to get back up. So they swim underwater. This is where my first note where I feel like the CGI is starting to look a little shaky. The more they show of it, the more it's kind of like eh, I'm not sure about that. Um, the one guy, Mason, uh, he gets killed. Uh, then they so they get to the other side and they're in a kitchen. And the English guy, because like you said, there's like someone from every nationality. Is he starts freaking out and he's like, "Hey, we should just board ourselves in this kitchen, and then the people will find us." And they're like, "No, that's a dumb plan." So the the tentacle thing shows up, and and they keep like. I feel like there's a thing where they they're letting you know that it doesn't like fire, right? Like that's like a thing. But it doesn't really get fully explored because, like, the thing gets scared away by, like, the flame from something. But then he still tries to kill it and he ends up getting killed. But, like, I just thought it was weird because I feel like they made a lot of allusions to it not liking fire, but that it didn't pay off at all. My- yeah, I, I think right. I, I kind of noticed that same thing. Also, the scene where they got to the kitchen was definitely, I think, a Poseidon adventure, like, you know, reference when they're just they, 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 to get to the next level. Yeah. That scene so much felt to me like the exact scene, and I don't know which came out first, but that scene in Alien Resurrection when they're underwater, it felt like that same exact scene. Oh, yeah, I don't know when Alien Resurrection came out. It was probably around this, wasn't it, wouldn't you think? Yeah, it was about the same time, I think. Yeah, yeah. So they they figure out that the uh, creature is pushing them toward the bow of the ship. I did like that reveal, too, when they get to that room, and it's just the whole bow of the ship is just full of more bones and all the, like, piles of flesh and stuff. It's another cool visual. Um, The uh, Canton, he's the worst, because they're trying to get out because the boat's flooding, and he, like, tells them the wrong way to go. (laughs) But I like that they, like, immediately catch up to him. Like, he doesn't (laughs) get very far ahead of him at all. And they catch up to him. Um, also, like when uh, Wes Studi just straight up shoots uh, Benny because he's the creature's chasing him, so he just like shoots him in the leg, so the creature will get him, but it it, it doesn't work because um, I think that the creature ends up getting uh, Wes Studi, and there's that great scene where he's like half in its like mouth uh-huh. and like, <laughs> and he wants. Um, doesn't he want? Uh, he's like, give me the gun. gun. He, yeah, he wants Benny to. Sh- you think he wants him to get a gun so he can shoot himself, but he gives Benny the gun, and then he tries to shoot Benny again. 
And then I think, does he end up shooting himself, or does he just get no, shot? Right. John's on a bullet at that point. It on Benny, you know. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, so uh, I do have a note that says, apparently Benny's name in this movie is Joey. Yeah, <laughs> I keep calling it Benny too. That's fine. Um, so they they get back to their ship and, and they're they're going to rig it with the torpedoes that they have. Right, they're going to set it on autopilot to crash into the cruise ship. Um, they send uh, Famke Jansen to go get the... There's conveniently, when they get into the ship, there's a room full of jet skis. So they're like, well, go get a jet ski. Uh, I have a note on this, because for an hour and 45 minutes, I have a note on, like, why does the movie have time for this? Is when Benny slash Joey comes back to the ship, and he asks about his Korean girlfriend, who is dead... And they have time for like a thirty second shot of him like sad welding the ship. Like, <laughs> what is this? I forgot about that. I have a jet ski note as well. Um, they're fighting over. He's you know that uh, you know Canton shows up. He's like, "Give me the keys! Give me the keys!" There are three sets of keys and three jet skis. <laughs> yeah, and he chases her all around, and they're fighting for one of the sets of keys. Well, yeah. and, and just from a logistical standpoint, you saw where those jet skis were in the position of the boat, right? They're yeah. way high up there. How are they going to lower those jets? I didn't see a crane or anything to lower those jet skis into the water. Just for like normal knobs. Yeah, just for let's say that. yeah, let's say they let's say that the ship survives, right? Nothing happens, yeah. and the people want to go use a jet ski. How? That's a good point. What are they going to do with a jet ski? <laughs> got to perform an amazing stunt to yeah. use do it. They, if you're they not Harley, you can use the jet ski. Do they have to set up the ramp like Treat Williams and jump out of the boat? They have to flood part of the boat. How do they get back in? I'm pretty sure there's also a porno wall in that room, and for some reason. And, yeah. So, so as we say, Ken wants the keys. He's chasing Fonka Jansen around with a flare gun. <laughs> yeah. Gunpoint with a flare gun. <laughs> Just a like, double barrel okay. flare gun that he uses both flares for, and then keeps threatening her with it. Yeah. So, uh, like, Treat shows up. He saves Famka. Um, that's when you get the reveal that it's like, which I guess I didn't. I don't know. I didn't think it was that much of a reveal. I kind of assumed it was like a big monster all along because the big reveal is like it's not a bunch of small monsters. It's one big octopus looking monster thing that like looks very fake when it grabs Tree Williams. Oh yeah. And he and he pulls it close and Tree Williams <laughs> pulls out the shotgun that he has and shoots it in the eye. Does he say something clever when he shoots it in the eye? <laughs> what are you looking at? Oh God. <laughs> so they get back to the boat and there he finds out like Joey's gone. Like and we're supposed to think that Joey's dead. And immediately I'm like, he wasn't killed on screen. I don't I don't know about this. So <laughs> I, so Ken's still alive. He jumps off the cruise ship because he finds uh, Tree Williams' boat. He jumps off the cruise ship onto the boat, like like breaks his leg, and it's gross. They show you oh, the yeah. bones. They show you the bones sticking out of his leg. Um, Famka and G- Famka and Tree they're driving around the jet ski in the flooded boat with the monster chasing them, shooting elevator buttons. Shooting elevator oh, yeah. buttons with a shotgun. Um, so then, like Anthony Anthony Hell finds out that he the ship's on this collision course. He can't change it. Conveniently, the solitaire game says "game over" right before he hits the boat. He hits the boat. It explodes. They fly out with the jet ski, just beating the flames. And I guess the creature gets blown up. Um, and Tree 
This is where the movie really made me the most angry. Okay, so Trey Williams and Bonka Jansen, they conveniently are by an island now. They take the jet ski to an island. They're like, oh, great, we made it to this island, everything's good. Then <laughs> Benny shows up on the surfboard, which they make sure to show you is on the boat, and you can see a clear shot of it flying <laughs> off Trey Williams' boat, just so you know. So he's like, oh, I got your surfboard, and I survived, and I made it. Um, I read that's because they actually did originally kill him. Like, there was yeah. a destiny yes. for him, but test audiences re- reacted so poorly to it, they liked him so much that they decided to have him live at the end, okay? I would so have been they killed him instantly, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so Joey's alive, and then, like, this is the part that made me so mad. They, like... The hubris of this movie to think that they were like, we're definitely going to have a sequel, right? Like, because they're on this island. And listen, I know you'll have something to say, but let me just get this last part out. So they're on this island and they hear like a roar and there's like a volcano and they pull back and you can see, they don't show you, you can just see there's something big and it's moving through the jungle and you can see like leaves, like trees and stuff shaking and it like the camera pulls out. And that's the end. And my last note just says, fuck that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think we all probably have the same thing we want to talk about with the island. Yeah, so the island was it wasn't necessarily going to be a sequel. It was going to be a soft relaunch of the King Kong franchise, and um, and uh, Steven Summers was going to be directing that film, but the film languished in development. You know, hell is what they call it for five years, and eventually became the Peter Jackson film. Um, and the fact that this movie just stunk up the joint, they didn't really want to have the King Kong movie tie into this one. But it was originally well, yeah. going to be a King Kong movie. Now the question is, was Treat Williams going to be in the King Kong movie? <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing that gets me is that like it's not just like, oh yeah, the hubris of we're definitely going to have a sequel. It's hubris of, and we're going to tie into one of the most legendary movies of all time. And like, <laughs> people are going to be like, yep, throw these guys in there. You know? Yeah, that it made me so mad at the end of this. Cause it's like, I mean, obviously looking back, we know it was a failure and there was never going to be a sequel, but just at the time that they were like, you know what, this is going to be a good jumping off point for a King Kong reboot. I was so mad at the end of this movie. Um, that, like I said, that, that, that they were like, yeah, there's going to be a sequel. There's not many movies that are like, we're definitely going to have a sequel, at least the first one out, you know, like, yeah, like the Lord of the Rings movie. It's a trilogy, you know that. But even like the, the first Star Wars, they didn't know it was going to be a success. It was sure. going to be a solo movie. So I don't know. Just the idea that they're like, yeah, this is going to be a launching pad. It may be furious. <laughs> yeah, it was It was something else. Um, all right. I, I don't have, like I said, I already went through my role reversals because there's only the two. Um, now, I guess the question is, would the movie have been better with Harrison Ford? It would have been different. I feel like with Harrison Ford, I mean, he's he's so curmudgeonly, he might have said no to a lot of this bullshit. He might, well, first of all, it had a lot bigger budget, even not even just his his pay, but I feel like it would have, you know, they would have been like, well, it's a Harrison Ford movie. We're, we're, we're more confident behind it. We're going to put more money into it. And I think like he'd be like, no, this is stupid. Let me fly a plane at some point in this. Do, do we do we maybe lose some of the other characters for Harrison Ford though? Do we lose like I know these mercenaries don't add a ton; they're each in it for a handful of scenes. But do we lose some of them to get Harrison Ford in this? Would it matter? Probably not. Would it matter I, if you lost Joey? That I, yeah. no. Uh, I 
I, I don't know if this it, it's it's one of those questions that's hard to answer because it's like I don't know if this movie works <laughs> better with Harrison Ford because like I I think you guys were giving praise to Treat Williams I think the acting in this movie is awful I don't think anyone does a really good job and I think I think Treat Williams is not like he's supposed to be like an action hero in this and I just like I his vibe in this is just kind of like what's his deal like you know like is he tough I don't know like he doesn't I. I don't know, but like it's a definitely a different movie with Harrison Ford. Probably a better movie just because it's Harrison Ford. But whether or not it actually works any better, I that's who knows. Like, is it fundamentally flawed just from the script of it, you know? Or I don't know. I, it's a hard question to answer for me, at least. That's fair. Uh, anyone got anything else they want to add to this little uh, thing? The one thing that the one thing I did I wanted to mention, LBJ. You know, I love to pull off. Or pull out the oddest fact I can find on the uh, IMDb. All right. And this one, this one is a particularly uninteresting one. It's that uh, apparently Wes Studi taught Kevin J. O'Connor how to play Brown Eyed Girl on guitar during shooting of the movie. So, <laughs> saw that. <laughs> Thank you, IMDb. There you, go. there you go. That's that's my uninteresting fact. So, um, no, I think we kind of covered everything that I really had. You know, wanted to wanted to bring up. I don't know, uh, Dave Corndog, if you guys had anything that was uh, lingering that you didn't you didn't mention. I mean, I think it says a lot that this is like the fast, the shortest episode that I've done with you guys because I am long winded. But there's just not that much to say about this movie, you know. Yeah, there there isn't a ton, and and Joey, I know we we disagreed with you a little earlier about how long it takes them to get on the ship, but like once they are on the ship, I, I feel like. You know, there were hundreds, if not thousands, of passengers on this ship. And then the timeline in this movie, to me, doesn't really make sense. Because the boat falls off, they hit it, and by the time they get to the boat, literally all but two people, three people on the ship are dead. And then these eight people come on and last for how long? Like, <laughs> that's, that's that's fair. Yeah. And let me, let me pose this to you guys. Is this, and I understand that they were going for... And it's probably a budget thing too, but they were going for like a Jaws like vibe where like we're not going to reveal the creature, you know, it's going to be kind of a mystery. You're just going to glimpses of it. Is this a better movie if right off the bat we see this creature and we get to see more of its destruction of the cruise ship and it taking out the passengers and up front we see the creature? Is that a better movie? Is not that something made, that's more interesting? Not made, ni- not made 1998. I mean, well, yeah, I guess you're, I guess yeah. you're right. Based on the the CGI and stuff that we saw, I guess you're right. Yeah, it would but, not, uh, maybe maybe a few more like the toilet death scenes would have just been cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're right. I think this movie would have been more if we could have seen a little like not full reveals, but a little more of like what happened to the people on the ship. You know, because you see a lot of like crowds rushing and the lady gets sucked in the toilet, but that's really it. You don't in, you know that, in that dentist office bathroom. <laughs> yeah, I think I think this movie like they could have gone they could have gone a different route with this and made it like a straight horror movie. And maybe showed more of the creature or just been more gruesome with the deaths. And I think that would have maybe made it a better movie. Just yeah. like if they if they really bought into, you know, making it like alien. Um, yeah, but at the same time, if their intention was to use this as a platform to launch King Kong, then they <laughs> couldn't have done that. So they kind of pigeonholed themselves because the movie they wanted to make isn't necessarily the movie they should have made. 
Yeah, I, I think this movie doesn't fully commit to any of the things. It doesn't fully commit to being a horror movie. It doesn't fully commit to being an action movie. It doesn't fully commit to being like a suspense monster movie. You know, like it doesn't, it can't really decide what lane it wants to stay in. It's trying to play like kind of, in, in my mind, a couple of different things, like mash a couple things together. And I don't think it does it very well. Yeah, I didn't feel a lot of suspense. When you think with a movie like this, there should be like, oh my gosh, like, but it's like, I don't know, it's like there was just certain characters you knew were going to live and there were certain characters you knew were going to die. So it's just, and they didn't, it didn't have like the camera angles or the music to really play up suspense, I don't well, feel like. And it, there was too much comedy in it for them to pull off suspense. Yes. Because you never yeah. really, you never felt like, you, you never felt bad for the characters because. Yeah you know, the funny characters were probably going to be fine. The characters that were, you know, that were mean and, and assholes were probably going to die. Like it didn't, there was no, well, I, no in between. And I, think one, and I think one of the things I read is like, I mean, no one in this movie, it's hard to root for anyone. Cause even like tree Williams, like him and his crew, they're not necessarily good people. They're no. like, you know, no, you got the cash, no questions asked. They're probably doing a lot of bad things. Oh, yeah, so human trafficking, like, you know, all that. It's not like he's altruistic and he's like this guy that we really have to root for. So I I, I just think it's it, it's just weird. Well, I would argue the moral compass of this movie is actually the captain of the ship. Yeah. <laughs> he's the only one who at some point like, hey, don't kill people. Or like, you know, hey, don't that was a bad thing. Hey. You know? yeah. you're, not, you're not wrong. Maybe right. maybe the maybe maybe the creature's just misunderstood. Maybe you know what? Honestly, the big cruise ship riding right through the uh, the creature's path. The creature probably just wanted to be left alone, and that giant oh, boat was coming too. through, shaking up his house. Yeah, yeah the Ar- the Argonautis or whatever it was called. Yeah, well, it's like, yeah, because you. You know, the original boat is just called the Argos, you know, and then you've got the Argonauts who are you know in from the the myth. And then it's like, so the Argonautic is just a made up Greek word. <laughs> and then the ship has a random poly Asian theme. And it's like, it was really all, it was bizarre. I, I think that if we looked into it, that we'd find that some of the financing for this came from somewhere in Asia. And that's why it takes place in like the South China Sea or whatever and all that stuff. That, that would be my thought on that. But anyways, I think we're ready to rate this. Let's rate this. Yeah. Well, I guess since I'm All right. close to 50% of this. Um, uh, Corey, let me invite you to go ahead and start. <laughs> <laughs> I guess since I hold the closest to 50% of the knock on this one, uh, since JV couldn't be here and Dave's pinch hitting. Um, you know, this movie, we, we just discussed it. You know, not without its flaws. Um, not a very good movie, but you know what? It wasn't a chore to watch either. I, I mean... Would I watch it again? Yeah, maybe. Like, would I enjoy it? Eh. I- I'm going to go with uh, two machine guns on this one. Okay. Dave, do you want to go next? Okay. So, yeah, like, I, you know, like, I was just wasn't my choice. And, like, I saw it years ago, you know, probably 20 years ago, and then only saw it, over 20 years ago, and only saw it again this time. So I clearly didn't seek it out to watch again. Um, it's fun enough if you can see it for free. I paid three ninety nine for it. And if I hadn't been able to do this show, I would have regretted it. You know, like if you were like, oh, no, Dave, we don't need you. I'd be like, shit. You know, <laughs> but um, no. So I give it like one and a half machine guns. It's like if you're if it's on and you're a little drunk, maybe watch it, you know, but 
It's not, you know, it's not great. And certainly don't pay for it, you know. All right. I'll go next. I actually am a little more optimistic about this movie than than you guys are. Um, You know, I I like, I don't like this. Let me rephrase that. Oh, boy. This is not a good, this is not a good movie. Okay. But it's good enough to maybe watch it once. And it's nice after viewing something like The Mummy where you can kind of see where that movie came from. Um, there's enough in this movie to make it interesting to sit through and watch. At no point was I really bored with it, you know? Um, and there were definitely some things that I enjoyed. Um, and the special effects with the exception of the CGI is very good. I liked a lot of the acting in it. I didn't find any issues with it. And I, and I thought the direction was good. Like Steven Summers did a good job directing this film. Um, I'm going to give it two and a half machine guns. <laughs> the way the way you were talking, I thought you were about to like drop a bomb on us and be like four machine guns <laughs> or something. It's not that late. Um, yeah, I, 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 I Corndog's right. Like, I, I didn't. This movie's not a chore to watch, but I don't think it's exactly wasn't exactly fun to watch either. You know, like it didn't quite. It was. It, it's hard figure it out. You know, we watch a lot of movies for this podcast, but it wasn't one where I was like, ah, this is horrible. When's it going to be over? But it also wasn't like that, like so bad that it, I thought it was fun. You know, it was kind of just like, it was a man, you know, like that's what it was to me. I didn't think the acting was that great. CGI. Some of the practical stuff was cool. Uh, I, I thought it took too long to get going. And I, I felt like it, it made the plot way more complicated than it needed to be. Uh, I, I'm going to go and I probably would never watch it again. Uh, I'm going to go with, machine guns on this all right that's fair um well i'd say we hit this thing pretty hard yeah yeah now let me ask just a real quick question so this is the third movie you guys have done together so the previous ones being uh the one and uh half ass dead (sighs) what the hell is wrong with you where where (laughs) would you where would you rank this i would say that this might be the no, I don't know. No, this smack dab in the middle. Okay, one is better. Yeah. Okay, so the one, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. The one's the best one. Then this, and then like yeah. half as dead, way further down. Because the thing I would give the one, even though it's, it's dated, the one has great acting by pretty much everyone involved. The, and whereas half as dead is terrible acting by everyone <laughs> involved, except maybe corrupt. Right. And whereas this, I would say Famke Jansen is good and maybe Wes Studi is good, but everyone else is terrible in this movie. See, I, I like Treat Williams in this movie too. I, I'm with LPJ on that. I think Treat Williams is good in this movie. Would you say <laughs> he was this. a treat? <laughs> Can we stop with that joke? Agree, I will agree on the rankings. It's the one deep rising, and then we take the deep rising elevator fall all the way <laughs> to Half Past Dead. Yeah, Half Past Dead is terrible. Um. Yeah. Wow, I don't even. Wow, that movie sucked. Okay, <laughs> so uh, we are of course the Last Action Podcast. You can catch us every Monday on the Gamezilla Media Network, along with uh, the Gamezilla Podcast, which is on Tuesdays. Noobs and Dragons, starring myself and Sphinx and Craig WK and Matrick uh, on Wednesdays. <laughs> What's that? I'm just laughing because I'm thinking of the longest second season ever. I feel like since like almost I started the podcast, we've been like, and we're on this one too for season two. We're all but, honestly. So this this episode's going to come out 
on the 8th, on March 8th. By the end of March, we should be done recording all of the episodes for Noobs and Dragons, finally. Like, it has been been a solid... It'll have been over a year of us recording that podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then we've got uh, Last Action, or uh, Legend of Retro on Thursdays. Uh, And then we have streamers. We got all kinds of stuff you can check us out. And uh, and, and definitely check out our our Discord, because our Discord's great. Uh, You can chat with us, and uh, we'll chat back, usually. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, you know, if you if you enjoy the podcast, give us a give us a, a rating on like iTunes or your uh, podcast platform choice. We really appreciate it. Yep, and then uh, we've also got a Patreon, which you can check out. Uh, it's uh, gamesillamedia.com slash Patreon. We got a one dollar tier, five dollar tier, one dollar gets you uh, extra votes and uh, a couple extra things here and there. The five dollar tier is really the sweet spot. You get one extra episode per month. Uh, of every show on the network. We have the post credit scene where we talk about all kinds of different things. We do lists. We do uh, different topics. We highlight individual actors, movie series. Uh, I've been action taking court. to Action Court, which you are. Every time you bring up Action Court, every, you are still sour yeah, about that. I'm sour about it because if we redo Action Court, I'm bringing a character witness, and it's going to be Dave to help me defend the Thomas Jane Punisher movie. 100%. Okay, fine. Then I'll bring any number of other guests who will who will detract from the Thomas Jane Punisher movie. He'll bring Thomas. I, I guarantee you, I can find more people than you can. Remember the crazy fa- remember the crazy fact that we found out that they wanted Hugh Jackman to play the Punisher in that movie. Yes. That they Sorry. offered him the part, but he turned it down. Crazy stuff. But um, I mean, you gotta love New York's one of New York's most iconic heroes fighting crime in Tampa. <laughs> um, but uh, Dave Corndog anything that you guys want to plug before we get out of here you want to go first Corndog I'll leave it to you okay yeah, so I have kind of a weird plug because of the fact that it's kind of like it's kind of cryptic I guess so during the pandemic I've actually taken the time and I wrote a novel so oh, okay, and I'm in like basically the fourth draft just having some people read it and I'm like so I don't want to like say the name or anything because I'm actually in the process of copywriting it and everything. So when it's ready, I'm going to demand a spot on the podcast to do like maybe a different movie so that I can give a full plug. But just kind of putting that out there right now. Also, um, I believe there's some discussion of Knopfner and I doing an episode to episode podcast about the Highlander TV series. So you know, <laughs> we'll talk we'll, about that. We'll talk. That'll be we'll, we'll say that after the podcast. Maybe we'll yeah we'll talk off, we'll talk off camera off uh, off. Yeah. But uh, excellent. But th- thank you guys so much for being on. It's always it's always fun. And even though it seems like we never talk about a good movie when you're on, it, it's always a blast uh, kind of sitting back and getting into it, you guys. So thanks again for showing up. All right. Well, this episode of the Last Action Podcast has been terminated. But we'll be back. <laughs> <laughs>